RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. To get a 40% discount across their entire batch-tested range, use the code RENEGADE40 at www.onacademy.co.uk forward slash elite portal. And of course, members of the Rugby Renegade online subscription program get an exclusive 50% discount plus free access to the Optimum Nutrition online nutrition course. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Chris Robertson from Rugby Canada. Uh, Chris is in charge of um, the academy and the senior women's teams. Um, He's he's in charge of a lot of athletes and is doing some great work. Um, And we we cover tons in this podcast. We talk about uh, unilateral crossover um, of injured limbs during injuries. We talk about uh, vertical integration, periodization, power training, um, you know, periodizing uh and preparing for um international camps and and his approach to things like that and and tons more so it's a really really good podcast you get some great great advice for coaches and players so of course give it a listen and let's know what you think hi chris welcome to rugby running podcast great to have you on uh let's start by you telling us a little bit about your background how you got into strength conditioning and who you've worked with hey jamie yeah thanks for having me on um pleasure to be here uh so a little bit about me so i'm from toronto canada um I was, you know, an avid athlete. I played multiple sports growing up. Um, it wasn't until I got about 15, 16 that I found my uh, my true love of, of American football. So I started playing football there. I uh, ended up going to school in Montreal, Concordia University. And, you know, I played my four years there and I was fortunate enough to get drafted into the CFL. So I was drafted into the CFL uh, 11th overall to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2013. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I actually tore my ACL, LCL, post-lateral corner. So I hurt my knee pretty bad. And I kind of had a decision to make, um, do I kind of, you know, start a career? Do I continue to chase football? And at this point, I'm, I'm 25. And I decided to go after a career. So I started my career in SNC. Um, you know, while in school, I was actually personal training. That's kind of how I got into it because I needed a job to support me financially and give me the freedom to train the way I needed to train. Um, so I started off now, fast forward, sorry, we start off, I started off at, uh, was it George Brown? So it was a, a college and I was a fitness supervisor and I was working with like the general population. And I just realized I'm like, this is not what I want to do. So I moved into the high performance realm. So I got an internship with the Toronto Argonauts, which is the CFL team. And then from there, I moved on to Rugby Canada and kind of that's where I am now. Oh, cool. And um, you, when you said, you know, your first level, I thought it was going to be hockey, but, you know, being Canadian, but obviously, obviously yeah. Lo- it's lo- funny. It's actually my first sport that I really played. Like everyone plays the soccer or football. It depends on where you are in the world. But um, hockey was really my first sport. So I played that for 11 years, played hockey. Um, and then I just, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, from, I don't know, like everything about it. I didn't really like it that much. Uh, it's a cool sport. Don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't me. Yeah. 
Oh, and cool. then I found football and football was it. Yeah, nice. Um, so I mean, I said to you before we start recording, I've kind of stalked you a bit on LinkedIn because you put some really good posts on and especially recently the last few. So there's a couple I'm going to ask. And the first one, because it's kind of how my philosophy is kind of developed and, and you're talking about periodization and, and uh, using vertical int- integration. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, how you kind of develop that and, and how you program for your athletes? So it really comes down to with, with a vertical integration model. Let's actually, let's go back. Let's, so traditional periodization or, you know, or linear periodization, it's really, it's called traditional, but um, that works for sports that are peaking, you know, two to three times a year, they have a, a major event. As we know, in team sports, depending on what sport you're in, you could be in basketball, it's an eight month season, you're in rugby, four or five month season, American football, as you know, you can't peak. As we know, there's a window of opportunity. It's about six to 14 days when you're IE optimal. Um, so you can't be at your best every single game. You know, as much as we say, yes, we want to be at our fastest, just, there is optimal windows and time. So we actually need to kind of make sure that we include all qualities um, throughout the week, throughout whatever the microcycle max, whatever it may be to make sure that our athletes are you know, um, getting all qualities and they're getting everything that they need. And it's kind of, I think of it just like, uh, you know, a cup of water, like three cups of water between like strength, power, hypertrophy, you can include fitness in there. So four cups. Um, and you kind of need to just balance those cups. So there's only so much water, which is an athlete's training tolerance, right? So you need to make sure that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, this week they need a little bit more strength, you know, less about fitness. Uh, they need a little bit more power work. They can back off on the, the speed work or whatever it may be. Um, so it's really a, a balancing act. And that's where vertical integration comes in. So it's really no way I can say, well, you should do this or do that. It's, it's all about it depends. So it all depends on, yeah, again, what that athlete needs, um, you know, where we are in the training year, what's the team that we're going to be playing, things like that you got to take into consideration. No, I like what you said about, you know, finding that balance. Um, and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you kind of use um, use the kind of rugby training or the technical tactical training to cover some of those things at, at different periods of time? Or, you know, there's times when you know the, the rugby coach is going to be pushing them hard so you, you can taper back on what you do in terms of condition, that type of thing? Yeah, I would actually say, so with our, um, our academy athletes, I actually would, I actually use um, the practice to get them in shape more so than me doing tempos and things like that, because uh, one, it's just, it's just more fun. Right. Um, and then two is that the athletes, they need that technical tactical aspect to continue to get better. Cause we're trying to develop their skills ultimately. Um, so I give parameters for the coaches and then we can kind of top them up with certain qualities that we need. And also too, is that our academy athletes are in, they're in high school, right? So they're playing gym class or doing everything. So a lot of things are actually being covered. So it's actually more so managing that entire program opposed to giving them what I traditionally think they need. And that's when you lead to like overuse and injuries like that. Now with our, our 15s girls, our senior women's, it's a decentralized environment. So our girls are all over the world. They're either playing um, some of them are training and working, right? So they'll get more of that traditional approach. You'll get the aerobic work, glycolytic work, whatever it may be throughout the week. Um, and when we get into the our training camps, it's less 
with me and more with the coaches. And again, with the coaches, I kind of give them the parameters. Hey, listen, um, you know, let's, you know, uh, make the space a little bit bigger. We need to get a little higher, more uh, XLs, D cells. So sorry, make it smaller. Uh, open it up if we want to see um, more high speed meters, things like that. No, that's cool. Um, and, and going back to talking about vertical integration, is, is that something you've been exposed to because of your Canadian roots with Charlie Francis? I, that's, I think he's the first person I heard kind of talk about that. Yeah, he's not the first person to, to, to do it, per se, from what I understand. It's just more so um, he, he popularized it. Yeah. He took it, like he's learned a lot from like the Russians and things like that and applied it to what he's doing. Um, so yes, I, I do, but it doesn't, vertical integration is a, from what I understand, it, it's more so an art form because not everyone's looks the exact same yeah. talking to different coaches like yeah, yeah i do everything if you if you do everything it's in a form of vertical integration yeah right so it's it all depends on what your situation is yeah uh, your environment what your athletes need yeah and, and on that note it's a question i had a bit a bit later on but we're kind of on on the on the roll with it it's um like how do you how do you assess what a what a player needs to to work on or focus on in their strength and conditioning training so I first start, I start with the sport. So I just reverse engineer the sport. Okay. What are the bioenergetic, biodynamic and um, biomotor abilities of that sport? And then from there, um, I can then have a blanket of, okay, this is what the athletes need. These are the thresholds that they should be able to hit. And then from there, it's going in and kind of individualizing it in the standpoint of um, looking from a testing standpoint of what they're lacking and then what we can bring up and then it's just then seeing okay what type of athlete is this all right so i look at like we have um our, our coach has really done a good job with like the explaining to our young athletes like what is your point of difference so we have our girls who are called like honey badgers so these girls have like a high motor right they may not be the fastest person right but they can just keep going and going and going and going right? Then you have your cheetahs, you have athletes that are really, really fast, right? But their fitness is not that great. Okay. And then you have athletes that are, um, okay, if your point of difference is kicking, for example. Okay. So I then assess those athletes on what their point of difference is. And then we kind of work to that. Well, we can keep their strengths, their strengths, and slowly build up their weaknesses. Yeah, no, that's cool. And definitely, you know, the most important thing is it's, it's all work back from rugby. Ultimately, that's you know, yes, you want to improve sort of numbers in the gym, but only so long as they're in line with what you're trying to improve on the pitch. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, another, another, I quite like the um, it was the meme you put on on LinkedIn, and it was a. Uh, I'll try and describe it for people just listening. It was um, uh, a young athlete uh, on the stairs, and each stair was, I think, the first stair was um, you know work capacity, next was strength, next was power, next was speed. And then the top one was sports specific training. And this athlete was taking a big step over all those, you know, fundamental uh, physical qualities and stepping up to the sports specific um, step. So talk, talk a little bit more about that. Cause it's something I, you know, I agree with that. Um, something you see quite a lot. Yeah. It is. I just see it a lot. Like working in the youth population is just Instagram and social media while it's good, there are things that I see that are bad. And that is why 
it's good to have like I always tell young SNCs when they come, you need to have a good bullshit detector because there's a lot of fluff out there. Um, so you know, people standing on certain things, doing things, and with, with kids, and the kids they don't need that, right? And what social media doesn't do is it doesn't provide context. Yeah. Okay. So yes, your favorite professional athlete is doing this specific type of training, but what did he or she do to get to that point? What were they doing five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? When did they start? Did they start this way? No, but they see what their favorite athletes doing and like, Oh, okay. I should be able to do that too. Without kind of, you know, they're skipping steps. And that's where that the idea of that meme came from. Um, so it's really about my job is, is I want to provide as much education as possible, right? So it's something I'm always uh, asking my athletes. And um, one thing I actually do with our athletes, our academy athletes, is I, I always like to make them teach. So, right, I, I have a little philosophy I call it. It's like if you reach one, you teach one. So essentially what you do is I bring our first cohort in from year, year one. And by year two, they're able to teach to all the exercises to the next athlete that's coming in. That's a new, uh, a new athlete. Um, so it's really important that athletes are learning those uh, fundamentals and to understand that training is a little boring in the sense of, you know, it's, it's repetition. Yes, you're going to be front squatting for a while because you need to learn the pattern, right? We can't switch it up all the time and things like that. So it's really important that um, athletes understand the basics and skipping steps is going to hurt you later on when, you know what, you, you don't even have the work capacity to, you know, play an 80 minute game at the international level because you haven't gone through the rigors of what you're supposed to do. And you've, you've skipped steps. And if you skip steps, it'll bite you later. It may not bite you now, but it'll come up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then uh, I think it's the last LinkedIn post question. Um, it was, uh, you shared about kind of uh, single limb injuries and train, training the opposite limb and kind of carryovers. You know, I've used it a lot, but what, what are your, um, well, first you kind of explain the idea behind it and the, the research and, and kind of the way you, you apply it with your athletes. So uh, the idea of cross-education is the fact that if you have one limb that is not, uh, it's, it's, it's inoperable in the sense that it's like, it's not operating at a normal function, quote unquote, um, right? Like an ACL injury, um, shoulder injuries, things like that. So essentially what it does, it's a phenomenon. It's a neural phenomenon that if you, uh, keep strength training, the, the healthy limb that the, the drop off from the uninjured, the, sorry, the drop off, the, the strength drop off in the uh, injured limb won't be as great as if you did nothing, if that makes sense. So I think like one of the papers I read, for example, was um, they saw, they trained one limb and they had the control group who didn't train anything at all. And I think it was the group that trained saw, I think maybe uh, a 7%, 7 or 10% difference. Whereas the non-training group saw a 20% difference in limb strength. So it's kind of where the idea comes from. Um, big thing too is, you know, I've with talking with SNCs and I've talked with even some physios is that they're, it, it's almost like a, they think the arm gets bigger 
but it's neural and it's not like hyper, uh, hypertrophy. So big thing I always make sure when I do it is that I ran into this problem early was one of our athletes, he had a shoulder injury and we were just blowing up his other side. So we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna get it strong and the other side's gonna catch up. But what ended up happening is he actually created a bigger imbalance um, because you're now creating a bigger, stronger muscle on uh, the healthy limb. And it's, you know, it's six, eight, 12 weeks behind. And we know what can happen in 12 weeks. Um, so I always just make sure it is a, I do neural, neural exercises, right? So you're going to get a, a hypertrophic effect. Yes, but it's gonna be very minimal. So I treat them as if it's a weight class sport. Like let's say for a wrestler, for example, you're going to have neurally, you want them strong, but you don't want to, you know, increase the size of those muscles uh, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because I'm sure a few, few players would have heard that, that, you know, training the, the uninjured limb has some carryover, but yeah, they're probably doing more of that hypertrophy stuff. So, so that's a real good tip. Um, next question is we ask all the guests on the podcast here is um, uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? Um, with men maxing out all the time, young men, yeah. uh, right. We, again, you want to see how much you max and, you know, I, I had the opportunity to take over, uh, one of the men's programs and we're doing a lot online and a lot of athletes are just going off script, right? Like a kid would be like, yeah, you know, I hurt my back. I'm like, what happened? Oh man. I was, you know, we were working out after I did my set of eight. I decided just to go try out a max deadlift. Like, all right, man, you know, that's, that's not good. So it's again, providing education and showing that, and you know, maxing it all the time is not going to get you to where you want. Right. And it's kind of continued repetition over time. Um, so that's one thing on the women's side, I would say staying in that gray area. So the gray area, like that glycolytic zone, um, that glycolytic zone essentially will make you feel like you got your ass kicked after every single workout, right? Like you're just absolutely done. You're on the ground. You're trying. You're struggling to breathe. Your legs are in pain. The next day, you're really sore. Um, I find from the female population, they like they need that satisfaction. They almost need that stimulus every every time. Um, and what we've actually seen is, as we know, is staying in that zone con continually um, will lead to deleterious effects in terms of overall outputs so they're like hey i'm not getting faster or hey i'm not getting stronger or you know but my fitness is 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 pretty good or hey i'm tired all the time things like that um so it's really providing education um because they're going to make those mistakes yeah yeah we, we see that a lot and in fact uh, ryan gibney a previous podcast guest uh, wrote a guest blog about about that it was kind of speed how a speed training session everyone reduces their rest periods because they get bored and they end up getting this they are it's a great great session but you haven't actually improved what you're trying to do your speed and they yeah they turn you know lots of different sessions into what more conditions yeah good it's funny to say that so yeah kind of what i've done um is i i've kind of filled that rest period with just like questions. So what I always do is I just talk about one thing I've done is just talk about like the different eras. So I always get kids to explain to me what high school like is for them, like during that rest period. And then, you know, when, once you start asking them about TikTok and 
things that they're into that four minute rest period, all of a sudden is just like, Oh, I'm like, yes, time to go. They're like, Whoa, I'm like, don't worry. We'll finish next time. Right. So it's, it's really, I've learned is to fill that time during those speed sessions with whatever it may be questions, things like that. And for me, what's really worked is just tapping into what those kids are into now. So I always make sure I'm at least I have a, a general understanding of what's going on, of like what they're into, like what's pop culture right now, the music they're into, things like that. You got to learn about your athletes and then that way you can kind of, you can reach them. Yeah, no, that's great, great advice, great tip. Um, now, next question uh, about power training. So from, from what we've seen, as you, as you go through those um, sort of levels of performance from you know, amateur to semi-pro, professional and, and elite, we see that power being the kind of differentiator between um, the sort of standard of player. What, what's your sort of go-to approach for improving power with your, with your athletes? So I have, I have certain strength standards um, for men and women. And what I've done now is once they've reached that threshold, um, majority of their program is, is strictly power. So what I do now is I'll go four to six week blocks of power, right? And so power is, as I do less than 70% of one RM, uh, bands, chains, accommodating resistance, jumps, things like that. And then I go into a two week block of heavy strength training. So essentially that's what my, I just roll that through. I've rolled that through I don't know. I've done that for like a year, year and a half plus. I haven't seen no drop off with any of my like elite athletes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. No, that's cool. Sounds sounds a good approach. But and, and also, I said you've got that standard. Once once they've hit that, then you don't need to spend a huge amount of time mm -hmm. on, on strength. Get focus on power. So that's good good advice. Um, and then next question, I've always kind of wondered. You know, I guess there's tons of different schools of thought how you approach but working with an international team as you are um what's your approach when they come into camp is it is it we need to uh, i guess it depends on the time of year and what camp it is and what games you're building up to but do you try and ramp things up or do you taper off for you know to uh, you know allow that kind of super conversation have you know a big performance peak? so um what we've kind <laughs> of done we just have we have before we come into any camp, there's like a six week block of heavy running that we kind of to build up some of those chronic workloads. Um, again, we go into that gray area, do a lot of those uh, glycolytic work, right? 15, 15 runs, repeat sprints, things like that. Um, so that when the athletes actually come into camp, uh, from what we've seen is like they're, they're pretty decent, they're pretty ready. Um, and then a big focus becomes on the tactical aspect of it and it's less about fitness and then overlaying it with the, uh, parameters that we work with the coaches in, in terms of like sizing space, uh, distances, times, things like that. Um, we found of work, most of our camps, if they are 10 days, it's in isolation. So what's going to end up happening is they'll be at that camp and then they will go home. So it's not like they're going to a tournament or they have a, a, a test match or anything like that right after per se. Um, so when they do go to again, tournaments, they usually come in a week before and then it's a practice for a week, go into a test match uh, for world cup. Things will be a little bit different. 
but um, that's kind of how it's been done. It's not really, how do I say it? It's not, um, well, this is it. Corona really messed everything up in the sense of like what, what normal is. So yeah. it's hard to say. So before that, it would, the camps we did have, we just have like, uh, you know, ID camps, like a top 50 camp. And that's kind of just athletes competing against each other and then go from there. Yeah. Oh, cool. No, it's interesting. Yeah. Just always wondering what, you know, there's merits to both, I guess. And it, like I say, it depends whether you're going into uh, a tournament or, um, or test matches. Um, and I, I guess World Cup is that's that's the ideal time for you. you get them for a good chunk of time to really you know put put layers. Yes, and then that's where everything's changed. You'll get them for we'll see maybe a couple months. We'll see. And then um, what's the the plan for you? Are you coming over to the UK for the touring England and what was the test series? Yeah, that we got to figure. We we got to we'll see. I don't know the whole story yet like I know there's a lot of back-end stuff going on just like right now in Canada it's it's tough um so we have different restrictions based off of provinces right right so some provinces are you know a little bit more open where other provinces are actually locked down completely mm-hmm. right so then that makes it it tough and then there's like when you're traveling to certain places, they require a certain amount of quarantine. Like there's, there's a lot of moving pieces and with our athletes so spread out, it makes it a little bit difficult to figure all that stuff out. So that is a work in progress. I don't envy you there. Yeah. Very difficult with the current situation, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully things improve quickly and you can get, get hold of the players. Um, and then another question we, we ask all the guests is uh, what advice would you give to an upcoming strength and conditioning coach? Um, learn, learn to develop the soft skills, learn how to, um, you know, develop relationships. Um, one thing I've realized is that coaches really don't give a damn about the science. (laughs) They don't care about the sets and reps. It's more so right with most coaches. You have some coaches, don't get me wrong, but most coaches just, are they going to be good on game day? Are they going to be healthy? And are they going to be fit? Right? That's kind of how a coach looks at it. He wants his athletes, or his or her athletes strong, whatever it may be. But um, that stuff, get that stuff out of the way quick. Like learn, learn how to periodize, learn about the different periodization models, um, and things like that. But I think developing those relationships becomes way more important because at the end of the day, the people that hire and fire us no don't know much about what we do they don't understand you know the the day-to-day that kind of goes through i've, I've sat i've seen and sat in meetings where you know there's executives that are like oh yeah three times a week they go to the gym they do this like they look at even i look at my family in the standpoint they i have to explain to them i'm just a personal trainer for athletes and then it, then it clicks for them so when i say i'm a strength coach they're like what like, so just general people don't know what we do. Yeah. So building those relationships and being able to network and then being able to leverage, persuade, and that's ultimately what you need to do to get to that next level. And I've seen some of the best strength coaches are really, really good at that stuff. They're good at presenting, making the complex really simple. Uh, and that all comes from 
presentation, breaking down what you do and putting into a quote unquote lame term, layman terms. No, great advice. And, and any um, books or resources you'd recommend for young coaches? Um, me, I'm more so into uh, like a lot of science papers right now. Yeah. Like I don't have, I don't read like, you know, motivational books or fiction, things like that. Um, I read more so like the science of practice strength training. Um, I read just various papers on topics that I'm interested in. Um, and that's really about it. So I don't have, I don't have a laundry list of books to say, Oh yeah, this book, this book, this has helped me. No. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts like this one. Uh, I listen to other coaches um, and I find a lot of my knowledge in that realm, in the networking and thing realm, comes from um, tacit knowledge. So learning from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another good bit of advice for coaches: get out and and you know part of the yeah. networking. Yeah. Know. The biggest thing I've learned is like I had to get out of my comfort zone. Like I wouldn't talk to people before. Like I would just right because I think. A part of it too, like <clears throat> being a young strength coach, you're a bit nervous that like you're a bit like showing your programming or maybe sounding dumb is a it makes you a bit insecure in terms of um when you're talking to you know people who are a few years your senior. Um so I think just getting out of your comfort zone is very important and networking and just just talking and what i've realized is that majority of snc coaches love what they do and love to talk about what they do and love to share so you can have a conversation you can talk sets reps whatever it may be for hours because that's what you know like people who do this job are passionate about it no one does this job for money we all know that no one does a job if you don't love it Right. So that's why every SNC coach at a high level is very, I would say, passionate about what they do. Definitely. Now, great stuff. Um, and then lastly, where can people learn more about you, Chris? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at, uh, at KROB23. So KROB23. And then on um, Twitter, Coach K Strength. Cool. And of course, we'll, we'll share those links in the, in the show notes. But um, just awesome. to Chris, thanks for, for sharing your time with us. Some, some great insights there um, and, and really good to chat awesome. with you. And uh, all the best for the for the summer and the tests. And, yes. yeah. Pray for us. We're going to be good. All right. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Great stuff. So thank you, Chris, for taking the time to talk to us. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree, guys. Plenty of um, good tips and tricks there uh, and info to improve your, your rugby training or your coaching. Um, in the meantime, guys, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, or whatever you use for your podcast. And, of course, give us a five-star review. It really does help kind of spread the, the great information that, that we're managing to get coaches to share. Um, and, of course, check us out on the social media channels and, of course, at RugbyRenegade.com. We recently launched our Leaner for Rugby and Bigger for Rugby programs. Um, there's nothing else out there like it, so please check them out, um, and we know you get good results from them. Until next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade Podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.